Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we're going to talk about Climax. Yes. The new film from Gaspar Noé. Yes. Um, who, which I had not, I didn't even know he was making a new film. First I'd heard of it was basically today when you told me it was on. I knew he'd done one, but I only recently found out that it was playing in Birmingham, that it was only playing for a few days. It's coming again, if you've, if you've missed it at the Electric, it's playing again at the Midlands Arts Centre. Uh, November the 15th. November the 15th, yes. It's a kind of a horror, <laughs> trippy, but not maybe in the way you might expect from him. If you've seen like Enter the Void, mm. you know it's not. It's not. I was expecting kind of psychedelia yes. from it, which is not what it is. Um, but there is a kind of trippiness to it, um, uh, and it's about dance and and music, um, and kind of youth and sex and violence and all the things that he's really interested in. Mm. Uh, it stars Sophia Butella, primarily. My love. Uh, who's wonderful. We saw her in Hotel Artemis. Recently, but I've seen her in a whole bunch of things, actually. She's my, she's my favourite actress of the moment, I think. Um, but, but to say it stars her is... You know, I mean, she's, it's, it's, she's one of the people in yeah, the Yeah, it's an ensemble piece, but she's the one you might recognise. I don't know yeah. that you she's know the any only, of the others. She's the only name I recognise, anyway. Yeah, I don't know if the others might be... Um, French stars. Well, no, I was going to say, I think they might really be dancers who... Who have been chosen for their ability to dance and then used as actors? Oh, yes, I mean? that could be. Um, but I don't uh, know. Um, so I've seen her in Kingsman: Secret Service, which oh, yes. was fantastic. Yeah, she's good. Uh, in Star Trek Beyond, in The Mummy, which I loved, and I Charlie Sturzon with a, with Charlie Sturzon in Atomic Blonde. There so actually, you know, I've seen her in at least like five films in the last couple of years. And, you know, she's really a fantastic presence on film. Mm. Um, she's always kind of slightly odd, you know. All, you always, she always plays a, a villainous character, or mostly plays a villainous character, somebody with an edge, somebody who could do you harm, <laughs> yeah. whilst, whilst looking very sleek. And, you know, beautiful is the wrong word, but feline, yeah, she's very sexy, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. It's not quite the case in this that you suspect that she might do someone harm, but she's she's um, she's got certainly strength to her. She's yes. constantly uh, kind of putting off the advances of this slaggy guy mm. um, who claims to have had sex with her and wants to again or for the first time. It's not clear. Mm. Um, the the kind of one line pitch for this film. Actually, this is what I told Matt earlier, and he was like, "That's exactly a Gaspar Noé film." Mm. Is there's a party happening. And someone has spiked the sangria. Yes. Like, in one line, you kind of get an image of what this film is going to be. Mm. And it doesn't quite add up to, to what you think. Like I say, I was expecting psychedelia out of that psychedelic kind of imagery, yes. like I'd seen in Enter the Void, yeah. which is not uh, what you get here. But nonetheless, there's a kind of... There's a, there's a spiralling psychosis that, that happens. Mm. Um, I, and The imagery is very much like... Um... Irreversible. Uh, irreversible, yes. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um... It's much more like that than it is Enter the Void. Mm. Um, but that's so that is without spoilers that is the kind of very basic idea of the film we can't really say much more without going into details because everything is tied up in in how images are conveyed and exactly what you're seeing and and so I don't really want to say anything else before we get into spoiler territory okay Uh, so now spoilers okay (laughs) Um, it's about a group of dancers who have only recently really got to know each other um, the, the the film opens 
on their kind of audition tapes, talking to the camera and talking to a couple of interviewers yes. about um, you know what it's right, like the start of Cold War, you know why they want to join this yes. uh, this this it's it's like a troop mm. um, why they want to dance and where have they come from and what do they want to do with their lives and you you kind of hear the desires and the hopes and the dreams and the backgrounds of these various people. Mm, there's a little bit more than that. So just visually, what you're seeing is this TV surrounded by videos and books, right? And the books include, like, you know, Buñuel's autobiography, the films of Suspiria, and, yeah, so kind of, you know, the, like, the books and Certainly the films... Certainly the films are suggest a kind of headspacey, trippy aspect. Horror-y, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and the questions that are asked are also, I think, very telling. So, you know, um, why, or, you know, how far would you be prepared to go? <laughs> right? Mm. <laughs> yes. Um, I think there's something kind of um, pointed about it, really. Um, you know, it kind of, it sets up a kind of a thing. So on the one hand, they're dancers, they're people who are working with their bodies. You get a little bit of their history, right? Are your parents supportive or are they not supportive? Mm. Yeah. Uh, and also this thing of, you know, why, why, what, what do they dance? How far are they prepared to go? Uh, and, you know, kind of what is their dream in a way, right? So I thought that was all kind of very interesting. And the people that you see in the interview are the people that you then see, you know, giving this performance. Right? Yeah, yeah. So the, these are the people who've, who've become part of this troupe. Uh, so, yeah, so the film opens... Uh, directly on this image of it's it's a white screen and you realize it's snow as this girl staggers um kind of down into the frame mm. um and she's clutching her stomach and this is the girl who was later on in the film stabbed herself okay, right then we get this this television amidst these books and videos because many of them look vhs's well the film tell it tells you it's based on a story based on a true story from 1996 so I think it's also setting itself around then too, which is why this is all VHS and, ah. a, and, a, and a full frame screen. Okay, how interesting. I didn't get that. Yeah. Um, I didn't get the period. Um, so that's interesting. I wonder, what, I wonder it's, what the significance of the period is. I don't know. Because it, it says at the start, this is one of the things with, with Noé and his use of credits. Uh, in Irreversible, the whole thing in that film was it's backwards and the film starts off with the closing credits. And, um, in this film, it starts. In this film, it starts off with that. Except they're, they're scrolling the right way, but you think, oh, is he doing it backwards again? Because clearly, whatever's happened to this girl has happened. Yeah. Like you're going to see what has happened. Yes. Um, and then the film, it, the the text that comes up says, uh, the film you have just seen, uh, was based on a true story from 1996. Mm. So you kind of think, oh, is he doing it backwards? And it turns out he's not. He, that is a sort of that's a a, a flash forward, as it were, from, mm. from the. From the from the end of the film, but um, but you know he so he so he he brings he does all the credits. But I, th I like that thing about him. I like that that he goes like people don't like to sit through credits. So what I'll do is I'll make him, I'll make him sit through the credits well, at the start. Yeah. Everyone, can, everyone can get their due who worked on the film. Well, there's more than that actually, and I, all of that stuff was very interesting. Um, you know, because at the end when the lights just went off, people didn't know what to do. Yeah. Right. So he's 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 getting interesting effects out of doing the unexpected really yeah so uh, and one of the unexpected things is that the film begins and you have like this multiracial dancers you know doing in a way what musicals are meant to do which they're dancing in sync you know and they're all kind of creating patterns with each other and there's a real 
sense of community and feel good and yeah, kind of energy and uh, and so on. Uh, and then uh, something like a title comes comes up again, and it says, you know, this is a French film, and proud of it, and proud of being so. And that's right after the um, that's after the TV has shown you these these interviews. So the TV shows the interviews, and then you get some opening credits, as I recall, uh, and then it shows you the the French flag, which has been made. It's the it's the kind of backdrop in this sort of community center, but it shows you that, and it says, this is a French film, and proud. Yeah, um, there's a lot of that. Um, so basically, there's about, I don't know how long it is, but it, it feels like around 10 minutes or so, which is, you know, this dance number, right? That, or actually, it's almost like three little dance numbers, right, uh, interspersed. And, and those are all like, you know, kind of uh, uh, wonderfully choreographed and it's a collective experience and it's filmed in all kinds of ways you can imagine, including, you know, for a very long time with, with a directly overhead camera, which... I found annoying at some point. I quite enjoyed that. I think there was there was there was interesting, there was interesting imagery and interesting feeling to the way that people moved, the way that their limbs would protrude, move back in, the way that they would kind of, um, they they turn themselves horizontal and lie on the floor and move and then be vertical again. They were their shapes changed in interesting yes. ways. I like that about it. But what I didn't like is that there seemed to be like, you know, an entire sequence or a really long take mm. of dancing shown one way. And then there would be an incredibly long sequence where it would all be shown overhead. Yeah. Right. So I just think kind of somebody more imaginative with dance and movement or whatever would have allowed us to see what we wanted to see without all the middling bits in between, which just kind of seemed. Well, it did. Come, I mean, that, I think the the scene you're thinking of is the one that I mentioned as the kind of mosh pit scene where they're in a circle. The dancers are in a circle, and then they take their turns in the middle to to perform. And that's not, as I recall, done in a single take. It is cut. Okay, um, well then, you know, you it, may be it, right. It may, I mean, it may go on for a bit, and it may be, if, if it doesn't start being interesting to you, it may never become interesting. Well, my thinking around that is that it stayed too long. Yeah. There are too, you know, so there were interesting things within that, but, you know, this was shot directly overhead, right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of, you know, people were plastered onto the floor, and they weren't always on the floor making an image or a movement with their body. I mean, you know, sometimes they were just, you know, dancing vertically normally, but you were just seeing them, yeah. you know. And I just kind of thought that that, I, I would have cut more of that. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, I think it stays probably a little bit too long. But I, I think it was nonetheless an interesting kind of and lively sort of way of looking at the dancers. And there is something in the film, I think there's a visual motif of circles going on in the film as well, and that kind of builds one. Uh -huh. um, you know, the, the, like when the kind of, when the, 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 the trip really starts and the kind of descent into hell starts. It starts off with this shot of a cup of sangria that's, again, directly overhead, and it's this circle in the centre of the frame. And there's also a thing of the camera rotating a lot, which, again, um, he was doing in, in Irreversible. There's that shot right at the end of Irreversible where the camera spins and spins and spins, yeah. and it's like time going backwards or whatever mm. it might be, and, um, and it becomes quite abstract. Um, and there are elements of that in this. The camera will, will rotate, creates this creates a circle um, mm. in doing so. And it just seemed to be a motif of, of kind of circles or um, revolution or rotation or disorientation. I don't know. Mm. I have to watch it again. I think that first dance scene, the one that's shown in that, in that long take, uh, is just, it's one of the best dance scenes you might ever see. Like in terms of the, just the, the thrill of watching people move yeah. in talented and interesting and choreographed ways, it's fantastic. 
Um, I'm not, uh, you know, not necessarily to say it's on like the same cinematic level as like a Busby Berkeley or something. Like it's it's letting the people do their thing without very much interference from from the camera. You can see people's bodies in motion, and actually, and they're beautiful. And actually, in that scene, they're beautiful. And actually, one of the fascinating things about the film later on is that you know when they take the 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 spiked sangria and everything begins to dissolve and become hellish and so on. A lot of those emotions of what hell or suffering or mm. pain or you know losing your mind might feel look like is actually conveyed through dance. They keep moving. Yeah, they keep they moving. They keep moving they keep all dancing. night long to the point where even in the morning after there's still someone moving. Yes, and, and their bodies are filmed dancing those. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I and actually, was... it has that feeling of like in those sort of uh, Hieronymus Bosch or something, those paintings of mm. hell from from hundreds of years ago of like people, people in sort of whether it's pain or whatever, but they're in these kind of physical sort of contortions and they look like dancing as well in those. Yes. Yeah, it has that feeling. Yeah. You know? Like this, and and the way people dance as well, I think, speaks to kind of who they are. There are people that dance mm. in a reserved way, and there are people that dance with it's a lot of energy in their arms, and there are people that dance with a kind of all over body movement, mm. and that and in a way, it sort of speaks to who they are. There's one point in particular where. Um, it's when there's a circle of dancers and it's filmed from above and various people are taking their turns. Um, and the, and the one that the big black fella who's, he was talking in the interview about, um, they asked him, what's the, what's the worst thing you've ever done in a fight? And he said, I smashed someone's skull and broke mm. their teeth. Right. That kind of, although he's not really seen as violent in the rest of the film, it kind of comes out then like the, like that dance area turns into like a mosh pit briefly while yeah. he's in there he gets he he doesn't want to dance at first right they push him into it and he's like i don't want to dance i want to dance and then he just lets loose mm. and it becomes really really aggressive for a minute and and a couple of other guys join in as well and it's like there's a, there's there's this visceral expression in in that moment it seemed interesting to me that there were many many references through the dancing not through the music to 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 voguing you know, <laughs> and Madonna, and uh, what's the film, uh, Paris is Burning. Right. Right. So that type of, you know, subcultural, marginalized, outsider, American, underclass mm. dancing, right? And, you know, the hip-hop is part of that, but also the whole other gay subcultural thing of drag queens and houses and, you know, voguing yeah. is also kind of conveyed through... Through the dancing, and it's just interesting. Because, and also, there's a dream of America in the film, isn't there? Yeah. Yes. So you know, so all of that hip hop culture, and you know, certainly the dance moves, and that's that all seems like a, an American cultural imperialism, really. You know. Um, yeah, and and there is that. Yeah. So so anyway, I was trying to connect. Uh, you know, this idea of you know Europe on the other on the one hand. Um, you know, France on the other, yeah, the flag and, you know, this is a French film, I'm proud of it and so on, mm. you know, and then kind of, you know, the effects of like the, this dream of America that for this generation is kind of inspired by uh, um, hip hop music and hip hop culture because one of the characters says America is a dream, is a paradise for black people or something like that. Again, kind of interesting things to kind of try and kind of mm. see if if there are connections, right? There are conscious connections. 
uh, that one can kind of um, bring up. Anyway, that's all wonderful. And you begin to learn a little bit about these characters, you know, but basically, as soon as the rehearsal stops, they have a party, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, as the party begins, you know, you get like really these comic skits, you know, with one guy saying how many women he's had and, you know, kind of, you know, these two other guys talking, yeah. you know, very funnily. People are chatting in pairs. Yeah, in pairs. And, and the camera cuts between them. Yeah, so you cut from conversation to conversation to conversation. And, you know, um, and, and actually it feels very disorientating because, you know, you don't know who, you, you get no sense of the space in a way, yeah, where it's cutting yeah. to and from and who's overhearing and who's not and what the groupings are. They feel almost like isolated, really. I was going to say, there's a kind of vignette -y feeling to that and I think one of the things that's really subtle about it well, it's not so subtle but it's, it has a big effect is that the camera doesn't cut directly between these conversations yes. there's it, the cuts have, they have like four or five just frames of black yeah. between it's like blinking yeah. I think it did the same thing in Enter the Void where it was like it was this guy this, this kind of um it was about the Book of the Dead, that film, like the guy dies and then his his kind of ethereal being looks over the entire world of Tokyo and all his friends and family and stuff. And and there are times in that film where there are these cuts that happen across space and time, but they happen with these black frames in the middle that that break it up somehow, that make it like you're changing worlds or, mm. or something like that. It's really weird. And so instead of it being this continuous cut, as it were, that, that goes from one place to another directly in this film... These these little borders that break up the cuts have the effect of kind of separating these short snippets of conversation yes. into into these these kind of vignettes, these parcels. They kind of dislocate them from space and time in a way. Yes, you know. So it's like it's not like just cross cutting. Yes, it, it's, it's dislocated. It is well, it, and it feels kind of it's, it's very very charming. I found actually, um, you know, but it does feel slightly it felt slightly odd. Uh, and, uh, you know, I kind of, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't quite put my finger on why. So, you know, what you're saying might have something to do with it. I also thought that, you know, not anchoring the scene in any kind of visual geography that you could then connect the other bits to, mm. you know, kind of made it feel slightly. These are just two shots. Yeah. You um, get some sense, like people will kind of look over their shoulder at someone else they're clearly talking about, but it's, but the scene is not about giving you a sense of the space at all. Yes. Um, so anyway, that, that kind of works, I mean, you know, that works at kind of familiarizing yourself with all of these disparate people. And I think basically kind of, you know, what happens is that as the, as the party progresses, things begin to go wrong, basically. Um, so, you know, what had been a kind of, you know, this idea of an ideal multicultural France where actually kind of, you know, not only multicultural, yeah, multicultural, but also multiracial. Right, so there's people from Germany and so on, but also there's Algerian immigrants and African immigrants living in France and so on, right? Um, and you get this idea of, you know, this is contemporary France and it's multiracial and multicultural. Um, anyway, and then the Kool-Aid gets spiked, or the sangria gets spiked, right? Uh, and then everything begins to go wrong, and basically what happens is, you're back in a Gaspar Noé hell, and you say, why do I bother with his films? You know they're going to be like this, right? <laughs> and they're just, they really are kind of so unpleasant to sit through. You think, what, you know, why is he showing you this? What view of the world, you know, does this guy have? What is he trying to accomplish by kind of showing you these things, really? 
Well, I mean, I didn't have that reaction. I didn't have the reaction of hating it, if that's what you did. No, no, I didn't. No, hate it is too, it's too strong. But I did think, like, some things, like the kick in the pregnant woman's stomach. Yeah, you had a, a little odd scream at that. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why do you need to do that? Why can't you present a vision of hell without, you know, showing, without that, really? Well, because I, I guess that kind of, kind of death and violence of, to that extreme is what would hell be without it? I agree, it's harsh as hell, but I mean, harsh as hell, harsh as fuck. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I kind of, it reminded me of Do the Right Thing, uh-huh. uh, Spike Lee, which was, if you remember that film, was, um, it, it's, it's kind of plotless, right? It's really, it's about the kind of, kind of one day, it's, that film was about one day in, um, in New York, in is it Brooklyn, it must be. Mm. Um, yes, it was Brooklyn. Where, um, these various characters are interacting and said so daily lives walking around talking to each other interacting and the characters kind of you know clashing and whatever it is and the heat it's there's a heat wave and the day builds up and builds up these tensions grow and grow and grow and eventually it explodes into violence um now this is it's not quite the same i don't think the tensions raise as much and obviously there is there is this direct impact on what's happening which is the lsd and the sangria that everyone's mm. drunk without realizing it um but I, like I think the effect is intended to be kind of similar. The kind of the way that the way that things can can bubble over and explode. I think probably to less of a um, kind of useful or meaningful end in this. I don't. It, it well, feels like it's saying less. It's I know, but for effect. what I mean by Gaspar Noé's particular hell is, you know, kind of Gaspar Noé doesn't seem to ever conceptualize or conceive that actually you could have a good trip. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, here are all these people with the you know with the sangria that spiked. You think at least for half of them, it should have turned out great. They should have lost their inhibitions and fucked whoever they wanted that they, you know, they would have been afraid to before. You know, but it's all like you know everybody goes through hell. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. That, I don't know. I mean, you do see you do see some people getting off, and but there is there is the animation. There's a the kind of animating factor of. Um, Someone has spiked the sangria, and immediately there's a kind of witch so hunt commu- about it. Yeah, community dissolves at that point, right? Yeah. So and that's right at the start of the trip, really. Yeah, so immediately after the dance sequences, all that was conveyed by those dance sequences falls apart. People begin to blame each other. Mm. They're basically, you know, the first guy who didn't drink the sangria because he's a Muslim, basically... You know, he he gets lynched, basically. Mm. You know, and he gets kicked out of the group because they imagine that he must have done it. And then they find another scapegoat, and then another scapegoat, and then another scapegoat. And each of the scapegoats is more and more violent, really. Really, yeah? Yeah, it's the woman who runs the thing at the start who made the sangria. Yes. And they blame her. And they say, well, I drank it too. Yes. And so it becomes, it's like, right, it's got to be someone who didn't drink the sangria. That's right. And turns, so then they pick on Omar, who's the Muslim guy, and kick him out. And then... Um, when they find out that the girl, uh, you know that she ha- she's pregnant because she's confided in someone, so you know that Beforehand, she's not, yes. you know that she's not making it up because she really means it, uh, and so she's confided in the Sophia Batella character, and then this other girl comes in and says, "What you didn't drink?" Yes, and then the other blabs she's pregnant, and then she takes it as a lie. You're lying. You're not pregnant. You're making that up. Yes, and kicks her in the stomach, and it's it's a very tar- it's a I mean it's not an accident. She kicks her in the stomach. It's yes. targeted. I thought that was gratuitous. Yeah, probably. Is. I mean, it's you know, um, it's difficult to talk of gratuitousness in a film like this, but 
But I did think that drew a line because, you know, I, I do think that there is something about mothers in this, right? Because a main strand of it is also like this woman who's clearly been a bad mother and, you know, who's kind of trying to make it up with her son, you know, who's clearly living with a stepmother. And, you know, the son is at the party and it's a baby, four or five or something like that. And then she locks up the baby for his own protection. And then actually she loses the key. Though, you know, even her best attempts at being a good mother are like she's a terrible mother. And she ends up killing herself or whatever. So well, the child has died is what we are led to believe. Because it starts off with she locks him in the electricity sort of closet. Yeah. Saying, stay in here, it's for your own good because everyone out there is going mental. Yes. If you touch this, by the way, you'll die. I know. <laughs> and, then, and so one thing leads to another. And then as the lights turn off at the, towards the end of the film... You, everyone's like, oh, the baby died, or the kid died. Not a baby, but... Four. I didn't get that. I thought she had died. She then kills herself. Yes. <laughs> because she's like, oh, I've killed my son. Yeah, but you never see the child. You don't. So, so the film has got a line. <laughs> yeah, so there might be some hope there. No, no dead toddlers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um... Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a filmmaker who makes me wince, really. Um, and I do wonder, like, why I keep going to see his films. Yeah, kind of, you know, what do you learn from it? Or what experience do you get from it? You know, that, that you feel you must go and see them. Because, you know, actually, certainly his experimentations with form here, I think, are, you know... Uh, I don't think they're anything special, really. They, I would come to expect them from him. Well, th these are things he has done before. Yeah. That's the problem. I mean, there was one thing... Kind of originality. One thing that I saw that I hadn't noticed before and that I found quite beautiful was at the very end when the police come in, mm. and actually I imagine it's been shot normally, but it's been printed upside down. Or he so, may just have held the camera upside down. Or he so might have held the camera upside <laughs> down. But anyway, it's the same effect. You know, and there's something almost ethereal or magical where people look like they're hanging from the ceiling. Mm. You know, I don't know. I, I wonder if there's more than just actually showing the film upside down because it's a very eerie experience. Yeah, it kind yeah. of has an eeriness to it. But actually, I found it quite beautiful. It kind of it really makes you look at the space. Yeah, I agree. And, and also, know. I think in just before that, when the, 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 the kind of final orgy slash sort of violence scene, the climax, as it mm. were, um, is is shown in the same way, but that's all much more close up and much more aggressively. Yes. So you don't you don't get a kind of sense of beauty really. But um, nonetheless, Actually, you see very little. It's just like a, a yeah, kind it does. Of it it pumping, starts to really, really chop things up. Uh, but yeah. um, but still, it's um, you do get a, a feeling of that. You know, you, you're looking at these people on the ceiling mm. <laughs> uh, as opposed to on the ground, and there's there's something. It's it's a more interesting experience than it would be if you were being shown them the right way up, mm. um, which is not saying much, I suppose, but it is an interesting image. It has a really interesting effect, that hanging from the ceiling. It just did, you know, so there were, you know, there, I mean, my initial view was you see somebody like, it looks like they're hanging from the ceiling. There's one person dancing. still dancing. Yeah. yeah. And you think, oh, how, you know, how do they do that? You know, they, are they clutching their feet? <laughs> and then you <laughs> notice, you know, the, the policeman coming in. Yeah are also like upside down, but it's very eerie and kind of magical. And, you know, you, you feel you're watching something like with fresh eyes, but, you know, obviously trying to rec replicate that sense of feeling high and woozy and slightly, you know, mm. drugged, right? I mean, I think, I think there is an attempt in the film to reproduce that, that, yeah. that feeling. Um, 
And I suppose there's a sense of like how the night, because it's set over this one night, and that night has been a transformation. Yeah. And the transformation is goes as far as turning the image upside down. Yeah. You know, like the, the 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 film kind of threatens to do that at one or two points with the camera rotating, does like a barrel roll a couple of times, mm. um, but ends up the right way up usually. Yeah. <laughs> but it's at the end that it turns up and stays upside down. Yeah. Um, and like that's where that's where everything has kind of changed. And and as you say, like it becomes kind of beautiful in a way. Like the camera. Because the camera's been going so crazy during the course of the night, towards the end, it, it goes insane, as you say. And then, when you, when it re- when you come back in the morning, and the door opens up, it's it's on a tripod, mm. you know, or at least it's perfectly still. Um, I don't know if it then moved again. I can't remember, but like, it's it's a it's a even though it's upside down, the shot is centered on on the door in the corner and the light streaming in, mm. and um, it's so there's 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 composure and beauty in that shot mm. it's not just about being crazy as it was the night mm. before so what do you think um, Gaspar Noé is, is trying to convey what are his themes well hmm. I, I, I think there has to be something this is again like, while I was thinking about do the right thing there is something about the kind of racial makeup of the group yes. and and the, the breakdown of as you pointed out this kind of ideal mm. sort of it, I, I don't think it's, it's never made explicit that like we're getting together a group of people from different races and backgrounds mm. but that's clearly the implication I think yes um, but actually there's something very interesting about it because the vil- there is a villain to this piece yeah right so you know during the interviews there's this you know German woman who says you know the culture and so on there is wonderful but you know there was just too many drugs you know, and people are even putting uh, uh, LSD in their eyelids now, and I just have to get away from that. Yeah. You know, so, um, and then it turns out that at the end of the film, she's the one who's kind of putting... She's the one who is actually, turns out she didn't get away from it at all, and she is putting LSD in her eyes. Yeah, so yeah. she's, you know, so so she's she spiked, spiked the sangria. So actually, it's very significant that this kind of blonde Aryan goddess, you know, who is really like, you know... Uh, uh, this blonde Amazon. She's, you know, one of the tallest people in the group, and she's the whitest person and the blondest person mm. in the group. It is kind of interesting that she's the one who is kind of, um, mm. you know, go on. Well, because you know Germany is the leading power in Europe. You know, it is kind of the central economy. It's got kind of great power. Berlin, I think, is the cultural capital of Europe. It's not London, right? So. You know, I think it would it would be interesting to make that a villain in, you know, this piece, something that destroys this multicultural, multiracial ideal of France. Mm. There are things about the film that feel cheap. Like? Um, well, I would start with actually the, 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 uh, the books and DVDs, the books and videos on each side of the telly in that opening sequence. Uh-huh. Um, the, I think not, they're not really... It's like name dropping, like this film's going to be like Eraserhead. This film's going to be like Suspiria. This film's going to be like Schizophrenia. Like, well, no, because I mean, there's too much around it. I just thought that was interesting. He is framing the film for us. Mm. You know, he's providing like a kind of a visual um, and thematic context. So, for example, it also I thought you know the the Buñuel's autobiography was the book that was closest on the bottom shelf on the left to the screen, and I thought it was interesting because. You know, he made this film in 1960, which I, I can't remember the name of now, but it's this Mexican film where, you know, everybody goes to a party in one room and then they can't get out. Okay. Right. 
Uh, and you know, this had a little bit like this. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. It's you like know, kind of sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so they can't escape this hell, you know, that they find themselves in. And it made me wonder if actually all of the other references that that um, you know that surround that screen of interviews, if they're not kind of woven through in some manner of reference. Mm. Yeah, um, I suppose, and they, and they maybe, but nonetheless, like it's still building a film out of references. If that is what what the kind of idea is is a bit empty, isn't it? It doesn't need to be. It could, do you think it it could be. Well, yeah, it could. could uh, so we talked about Buñuel's Exterminating Angel, but another kind of clear reference point is Pasolini's Salo. Yeah, yeah which is referenced in the videotapes uh, on the side of the screen. Ah, right, okay. Yeah. You know, but I think, you know, my argument against... When I saw Salo, and actually I had one moment where I was literally ill. I had to get out of the cinema... And then I was sick, and then I went back in to watch the end of it, you know. But it kind of, you know, when we got to, it was the circle of blood, I think, that, you know, <laughs> made me run out and, uh, and vomit. Um, so, you know, this has a little bit of that feel about it as well, actually. And again, my criticisms of this film would be the same as that of Salo. You know, in order to make a critique of fascism, do you have to kind of show, you know, those extreme actions and kind of in such a brutal way? And again, that would be kind of my um, reservation or response to Gaspar Noé. Yeah, kind of, you know, do you actually need to kick a pregnant woman in the stomach in order to make, you know, and make the audience wince as, as, as it does in order to make whatever point you're trying to make? Your vision of hell. Yes. I, I, I mean, I suppose the counter argument, or a counter argument, could be to Salo. This is to your argument about Salo is um, that uh, if you're if you're doing this through kind of metaphor on screen, like showing showing something that visually appalling, um, is it's kind of the only way to to really express um, your your kind of hatred of the evils of. Of, of fascism, as opposed to making like a like a like a thesis or something like the, that. Kind of, the kind of visceral um, ugliness of it is that that's the power of cinema, isn't it? You know, that's why you would use a cinematic medium. It's true, and I mean, I think there's another thing, which is, you know, we have we now see almost on a daily basis many, 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 many worse things than Salo shows. Than Salo shows, or like, or than climax shows, you know. We've seen, like, homosexuals thrown from buildings, you know, uh, women stoned. You know, there was this gay activist who was just kind of lynched to death with blows to his stomach, in fact, you know, to his whole body, um, you know, by a mob in Athens just the other day, right? That's, that's, that's available, you know, mm -hmm. to see. There's been images, you know, so actually nothing that these films are showing you is in fact worse than what you see in um, news. I was going to say newsreel footage, but that's probably not the appropriate word anymore. But you know, YouTube footage or media footage of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've seen it visualized, but there is something about the power of cinema, about being in the dark and actually kind of seeing with other people. That it, I think it has a particular force. I mean, this yeah. felt very and, strong. And having me. it kind of presented and structured for you and played for you, if yeah. that's what I mean, it could be a documentary as well. And, and his playing own you so. with it. Yeah. Like, so yeah. it's it's um, it's not quite as simple as 
as we see worse things like this. You know, obviously, when you see something um, kind of that horrific uh, and it's uh, real footage from real life, then that is, it is awful. But, but the idea of it being built for you for a different purpose on screen, mm. you know, for, well, for entertainment, amongst other things, perhaps, mm. um, that is powerful. And that's not something that, that uh, news footage um, can convey. No. Because it's not for entertainment. Well, well I mean, <laughs> the argument over whether it's entertainment or not, is, that's another one. But it's not entertainment in the same way, at least. Yeah. You know, whether you kind of get a visceral thrill out of it, it that's a different question. Yes. I mean, you are, your emotions and your response is almost kind of being incited or elicited, in some ways choreographed by someone, mm. right? And so they have kind of ethical and moral responsibilities toward that process. You know, and I'm not sure that Noé, Gaspar Noé, uh, knows what the boundaries are mm. upon occasion. I'm, I'm very glad we saw the film, and I do find it interesting, and I think actually it's kind of, you know, well, it'll be one of those films that'll give us a lot to think about. Mm. I never find uh, uh, Gaspar Noé's films enjoyable, ever. You know, I always find them excruciating to watch. Right. You know, um, they're physically excruciating to watch. They're painful for me to watch. You know, and and then what happens is that I, you know, I find I find um, they do kind of uh, en enrich and enhance my thinking. You mm. know, about cinema in general. You know, and and kind of in other ideas, but I've never found them pleasurable. You know, have they're you seen, extremely unpleasurable. Have you seen Love? No. Which was 2015, I think. No. So I haven't seen that one. And that is the one that he was supposed to be making. I think I was in 3D. Uh -huh. um, and it was supposed to be like erotic, beautiful. I haven't oh. seen that one. So like that's the kind of one where it's like the absolute opposite of, of, of what you okay, might expect. Okay, well, I think then it's, I think a big it's on gap Netflix. then for well, me. Exactly, and for me as well. I think it's on Netflix. Um, so I don't think I can watch this type of film on TV or on Netflix because... I would have turned it off after, you know, after they spiked the sangria. <laughs> uh, but Love might be. Yes. Love, Love might be a film you can stick with. Uh, and that's the one I'm saying is on Netflix, I think. You know, like, there was this whole thing about Pauline Kael only watching a film once and whatever. You know, because I think... It, and, and to me, that philosophy made sense for then, in a way. Because, you know, like, kind of... Most viewers, you only saw the film once, right? And kind of... And, that, and, and so, you know, a whole film was designed and built around the experience of watching, of people watching the film once, mm. right? Um, but actually, that's no longer true. You know, I think, I think filmmakers make films nowadays with the idea that it is on digital, it is on DVD, it is that, you know, you'll be able to look at it back and forth and kind of look at particular scenes over and over again and yeah. so on, right? So, so I think, I'm, for, for me, kind of a first viewing is always exploratory in a sense, yeah, like... Kind of, and I, I can't blame this film for not making itself clear or itself clear making to those me links for you immediately. Yes, yeah. you know because I think we have a different way of viewing now. So you know, but all I can say at this moment is that I couldn't put it together. Mm. You know, it kind of it just didn't register for me in a way that I could make sense of it. Though I understood that there is a sense to be made of it. Right yeah. now, you know, I I don't want I actually don't want to watch it again to find out. Right, know, which is the other yeah. The other thing that I think, you know, maybe filmmakers don't pay enough attention to. So yes, 
you know, you can watch it five times and get a different sense of it. But will you want to? <laughs> yeah, I suppose there's an element of that. Although it's only an hour and a half long. Yes, I know. <laughs> it feels longer. <laughs> I think. Um, I didn't feel. I, I must say. I'm not, it doesn't feel like excruciatingly long. I didn't did find feel... it felt long to me. Right. Um, and I was riveted throughout. So I was going to say, I'm like for all the kind of negativity I think we've we've expressed in some regards, I had a really good time. Yeah. Kind of advisedly speaking, like I wasn't. It wasn't like a laugh riot, but you know, I I really enjoyed the experience of being in the cinema watching it. It's like, there's very few films that that like envelop you yes. the way that this film will. Yes, it did. You know, the, the just uh, the pounding music and its constant and the and the the lighting and the camera and the way it's just always moving and always showing something and always following someone. There's always something interesting to look at. It's a film that expands your horizons in a way. It asks you to to view and listen differently and to pay attention to different things and to put things together kind of in a different way it keeps you on your toes mm. you know and i like that i think too few films do that yeah you know uh now um so it's just well i suppose in a sense for me it feels like a small project like yes. um a little bit like 127 hours in a way um where it was like there's this story of this guy who got caught between a, a boulder and a, and a cliff for 127 hours and he had to cut his arm off. Mm. Like, what what kind of film could you make out of that? Yes. It's, kind of, it's kind of the idea. And and I feel there's something similar in this. The idea that it's based on true events, it says to me, like, Gaspar Noe heard about this story and was like, there's a film in here. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, the, and there's not quite enough of a film in here. Yes. At least on first viewing, though. And, I, and But it is a cinematic experience. And it's like yes. it would be diminished on, on the home, home systems. I mean, I wish we'd watched it on an even better screen than um, The Electric Offers, actually. Yeah. Well, that yeah. was good, though. I thought it was fine. Well, I, I thought that, I you know, there might have been more to the visual qualities that we weren't able to get from that kind of projector. It, 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 it's not a very good projector. Well, we can see it again in a month or two at the Mac. And, I, and, you know, I might do, to be honest. Like, I think that would be... It'd be shame to miss it, really, when it's only yeah, half so an, an hour Well, half maybe long. I'll take you up on it. I mean, you know... Um, you only get one chance to see it again, really. It's not going to come back, is it? No, but... Uh, yeah, and, uh, and, you know, we, and it's got a nice fancy projector there that we like. Yes, we do, very yeah, much. So, <laughs> um, I actually found it a really stimulating and interesting experience, yeah. And actually, I do think that we haven't scratched the surface of it. So all we can describe is, you know, this experience of first viewing of a film that seems to be doing kind of really interesting things and is very playful kind of formally and goes into quite dark places hmm. uh, that I felt were not quite justified, actually. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think the idea of that you, that you raised of um, the, the racial and ethnic makeup of the group being central, I think that's right that it is central, and there is a point being made of it. And the idea that the point being made of it is that social cohesion is not possible um, is not it's not a true point to make because I think like in any circumstances, if it was a group of all black people, a group of all white people, a group of all Chinese people, if someone spiked the sangria and it's causing everyone to have a bad trip then like any group is going to start going crazy over it. <laughs> like, yes. I don't, like, the idea that like, it would be tied to the way that France practices uh, kind of social cohesion is not a good one. Yes. I, you know, but there, there might be other things. For example, I mean, I do think that there is this thing about children. And I also think, you know, like 
what was the whole incest thing and what you know what is it doing there yeah so the thing about kind of kind of family and parentage is it's not just about the mother and her son who she locks away but there's also the 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 protective thing where the the brother is very protective of his sister who's five years younger and you and I, I mean i could sort of tell quite early on that it's more than that there's going to be something uh dark there's an attraction there rather mm. than just a kind of protectiveness mm. um although it's kind of slightly played for laughs the first time you see it but it becomes darker and then and there's the thing of the dj and the um the young uh gay guy calling him daddy yeah um uh, everyone, everyone calls him daddy but he particularly calls him daddy and they have a uh, th- there is a kind of paternal relationship yeah but again they sleep together or you, well, you see them having had though at some, at some point well you see them you see them in bed together hugging because actually yeah, there's this bit of dialogue with the DJ where he says you know you might lose your virginity today yeah exactly so and then, um, and then like, the morning after when you when you kind of pick up on the various people and you see where they are those two are in bed together yes asleep um, um, so but you don't know what that means yeah it's not clear but there is something you there have seen, you have seen the brother and the sister having sex or, you do or rather him having sex with her yes that I don't know how much she is part of it I don't quite remember yeah I think she was kind of it's suggested to me that she is uh, reciprocating oh I didn't um, get that feeling at all not the scene where they're on the floor but yeah. the scene where they're in the kind of one of the rooms and they're on the side like she seems to be into it then yeah, they walked in on by the other guy. Yeah, I know. I didn't. I didn't get. I got the feeling she was doing it. Right. But whether she was into doing it, is, I didn't. Sure. Okay. I, you know, I didn't get. There's a distinction there. Anyway, you know, mm. I just kind of. I it's feel like darkness for darkness's sake. Yes, it feels like you know one of those American Gothic, Southern Gothic things. You know, where there's just like, kind of too many variances in the stew, really. Um, I kind of, I, 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 I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I think, you know, there's things that you want to say about people or countries or, or communities, you know, you don't have to put in a whole array of, you know, suicides and incest and murder yeah. and, you know, hitting pregnant women in stomachs. I mean, really, like... Well, I agree. I mean, I, I get your point, um, but I, I suppose it just come back to that thing of, like, if the project is to to turn this club into hell for one night, everything is going to be in there. Like, he's not a guy who... No way this is. He's not a guy who um, sort of will, will let an idea drop if he thinks it's dirty. That's true. <laughs> what, and also, what, what about the portrayal of, um, of, of gay people? They, I mean, it's not an accident. There's, there seems to be a project of... Uh, a lot of these people in this in this collective are gay or bisexual or up for experimentation. Yes. Um, um, I mean, I didn't feel anything about it really. So you know, um, I thought the you know the the gay boys were quite sweet. You know, mm-hmm. the young one, and then the big DJ. You know, who's like very fat and flaunting it and dancing. <laughs> you know, I thought that was all really nice. Um, the lesbian stuff. I thought was maybe less successful, so. Well, it's pretty exhausting, isn't it? <laughs> uh, 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 it's pretty exhausting, isn't it? It's only ninety minutes long. <laughs> so, well, kind of. Let's let's leave it here, and maybe um, you know, come back again when it plays to the max. So, overall impression on first viewing. It's definitely worth seeing. 
You know, it's mad. It's a little bit like do the right thing, cross with mother. Cross with, <laughs> <laughs> okay. cross with mother, cross with the exterminating angel. Cross, uh, with, the, cross with the reversible as well. Yes. Um, it's, it's, a, it's that area. It's a stew of, <laughs> of uh, sort of darknesses and madnesses. And, and that there's a kind of, in a way, like seeing it is like, like, a, like a joyful release of darkness. You get to go into the cinema and see all this mad stuff happening. And then you get to go home and be clean. I want to say, though, I agree with Mike, but I just want to add how riveting it is. You know, so for example, you know, the, uh, Mike told off this guy after we came out of the screening for having had his phone on for the, you know, the last five minutes of the film. And I didn't even notice. I was like so enraptured, you know, just by what was happening on screen. I mean, I did turn away. I always do like, you know, there were moments of, of violence where I just, you, I turn like I just yeah. can't, uh, can't see. Uh, so I, I do those things where you're looking with your, you know, put your hands to your face and your, your fingers Look are through your fingers. Open. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's like, woo. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I kind of, I really was riveted. What the film is doing is keeps your interest at all times. And it also has kind of moments of humor and levity. It's not mm. all darkness, you know, but it becomes dark. Like the more it proceeds, the darker it gets. But there's always something kind of really interesting going on that makes you wonder if you're getting it. You know, and at the end of the film, I suppose my particular answer is not quite. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet. Or not yet. Yeah. I, 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 I think that I might not have um, had a go at that guy if the film hadn't worked me up. Yes. <laughs> you know I mean? But I was thinking about telling you off in the film, and as we were saying after, like, it's, it, you want to, but also you're not sure if you're going to ruin it for other people. The cinema was very full. Yes. And, and, it, and the, clearly the film was kind of reaching its climax, and you thought, this guy's already ruining it for people. Am I going to be adding to that if I make noise? Yes. You know? So I didn't do it at the time. But, um, but after, after the screening, we, we followed them out, and I was telling to you, that's the bloke. And you, you said, what bloke? Because you didn't notice. Yes. And I was like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to tell him. And I told him off. <laughs> and I was, I was damn right to as well. He, 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 Macho Mike. He, he even denied knowledge of it. I said, I said, we, you were just in climax, right? And he said, yeah, with a smile on his face because he thought I was being friendly. And <laughs> little did he know, <laughs> the Hulk was about to come out. And then I said, I said, turn your phone off, yeah. I said, phone's off. And he said, what? And I said, your phone was on. And he said, no, it wasn't. I said, right at the end, but in the climax, it was on. And he said, yeah, it was on for like five minutes. And I was like, oh, great, five minutes. The rest was trying to watch a fucking movie. Yes. <laughs> I said to him, and, and I, I, said, I said, phone's off, yeah? I said, I said, turn it off. And then I walked off. And he, and he said, you turn it off. All <laughs> like, oh, right. Uh, great. Uh, the anyway. Other th- the other thing I'll say is I made a film like this once. Did you? Not as good as this, probably, but a lot shorter. <laughs> and it's on YouTube. Ah, what's it called? It's and called, where do they access it? It's called The End, which means you'd never be able to find it. But I might put a link to it in the description. Okay. It's a, it was actually, I mean, to be honest, the film that I made was basically copying Irreversible. Or, well, no. <laughs> I mean, sorry, it was inspired by Irreversible. Okay. Without the... It wasn't as, it wasn't as dirty as Irreversible. And it didn't have the... Um... Fire extinguisher. No fire extinguisher. <laughs> very, very. Actually, there is a death in it. But right. it's, it's with the it's with the, the lid of a toilet, ah. lid of a cistern, rather than a fire extinguisher. All right. So if you want to see um, Mike's Dada experiment, 
I'll, I'll put a link to it in the description. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, is that it? Yeah, I think that's it for now. But I, I'm keen to see it again, and I think we should do. Okay. So, um, um, and we've got enough time to to let our stomach settle because it's only it's a couple of months before it's out again. Yeah. Or a month and a half. Right. Okay. Good. So, um, thank you very much, very much for listening to the first uh, instalment of a discussion of Climax. And actually, the, you know, the films that we do... So we have this policy of really reading nothing and, you know, going into the film blind, you know, and then kind of just discussing the experience of it. But by the time that we do do a second viewing, I actually do like to kind of read criticism and be informed mm. and so on. You know, so, so uh, um, you, you know, you'll, if, you, if you come back, you'll come back to a much more kind of... Um, thoughtful and, uh, and, and, and better informed um, uh, discussion. Yeah, and I think, I think kind of uh, competing interpretations uh, of this film would be particularly informative. Like, it's a film I think would open up to different people in different ways. Yes. And, um, and if you've seen it and have thoughts, um, then we'd love to hear them because, I mean, there's, there's so much to, I think, dig into in yes. here. Um, it'll be really interesting to, see, to hear what you think. And um, uh, also, I think we could we could probably stand to watch Love before then because it Love is available yes, and we've not seen it. it. You have you have seen Irreversible and well, I know you've seen Irreversible. You've I've seen, seen Into the Void. Void. I've seen Irreversible and I've yeah. seen something else actually. Um, Those are big ones. Um, I don't remember what Carne, else. Carne was yeah um, mid nineties. I, um, yeah, so I, I stand alone as well. I stand alone. Irreversible. Enter the Void. Love and Climax. Right. Okay. Uh, Soul contre tous. Soul contre tous. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll see love uh, in the meantime as well. Um, so thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we're on Facebook, uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, iTunes and SoundCloud and YouTube, and eavesdropping at the movies dot com. Excellent. You can find us at all those places. <laughs> 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 All right, goodbye. Cheerio, <laughs> folks. Uh-huh.